Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Body. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> wait, is that our start? Yeah, it is now. <laughs> Welcome to Shared History. Mommy, wow, I know, I know history now. Power through it. Oh, I rip, you're going to have to sanitize this microphone. I just spit all over it. I'm your host, Cass Maher. And I'm your other host, Natalie Younger. Welcome to Shared History. Natalie didn't know what I was going to open with. I didn't know what hot tagline you had completely originally written for this I episode. also did not think that I would not be able to get through that. Do we need to take two? Nope. Nope. It was perfect. <laughs> I love with it. With us as always. It was perfect. Love of our lives. Uh, DJ Rip Cam. Ice coffee, hot coffee, Red Bull. I'm Jack. Let's do this. How many History. sugars in your coffees have you had today? Total? Total. Ten. Ten. Oh, nine, actually. I went four on the hot coffee. I'm trying to be better. Trying to come, trying to come <laughs> back with my Red Bull. <laughs> Here's the thing. They're not sugars. They're sweet. They're sweet and low. Oh, yeah. Which is like a quarter of a packet of sweet and low is two sugars. Mm-hmm. And a lot of cocaine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, my mother is calling me right now. <laughs> Watch me hang up. Oh, I was going to say, we got mom on the line. Should I, should I answer it? I don't think she knows we were actually recording. Also, if you didn't hear that, she goes, oh, are you on the bus? Because every time I call her, I like, okay, I'm going to hang up now because I'm getting on the bus. <laughs> or I would call her when I would wait for the bus. And then like, as soon as she'd pick up, I'm like, oh man, like I thought you were going to pick up sooner. The bus is here. Oh no, my sister gets mad at me because I'll call her from like the car or if I'm walking somewhere. Like both, like if, basically my mom and my sister will answer the phone and be like, where are you going? Because I only <laughs> call them when I'm like on the move. Uh, and my sister gets, I think, mad at me because I'll uh, I'll have the Bluetooth on in the car and I'll park and I'll be like, all right, well, I got to hang up because I got to turn off the car or else I'll die in my garage. <laughs> I I didn't like it was so, so an accident for the longest time of like, shit, you know, like the bus is here. I just called because I needed someone to talk to. So one time I was walking up to the bus as it was pulling up. So I intentionally called my mom. She goes, what? I was like, I just want to let you know I'm getting off on the bus and hung up. Oh. oh, I'm a great daughter. Welcome to Shared History. Welcome to Shared History. Call your mom. Call your moms and apologize for your everything. For literally everything. For the 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 travesty that you wrecked on their bodies. For, Just for never calling them. Oh, but hey, you guys can call us, but you can't call. You can't us. call us. We don't have a phone number, but you can email us at. Uh, <laughs> at also, if you called, we wouldn't answer because i never answer my phone my phone's always on silent and i never answer it yeah. but you can email me at shared history podcast at gmail.com you can email us a story of just like something you should apologize to your mom for yeah or tweet it at us maybe we'll add a segment i don't know if there's like some real mom energy going on but my mom just facebook messaged me with she knew there's it's, there's a video attached and it just says watch the whole thing so funny but i'm not going to open it up right now well well, I feel unloved because my mother did not message me. I checked my <laughs> phone and everything. What? That would be that would be magic. That would be so much fun if that. No, did. she knows better. 
every now and then I just get the text from my mom. She's like, call when you have a chance. Are you alive? <laughs> um, but but it's not about them. It's not about them. Uh, we, uh, we're welcome to Shared History. We're going to tell you a little story about history. Yeah. That we don't know about, really. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, you know, if you like us, you can, you can rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. And if you don't like us, you can do that anyway to, like, trick your enemies into listening, listening. to us. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I'll Rip take. is sighing so hard over here. The video was Lame Is content. Oh, my no! We were just talking about how Rip... Who'd you play in Les Mis? Tenardier. Of course. Oh, yeah. oh Master of Master the House. Of yeah, the yeah. house. Mm-hmm. I could see that. When I was... a little jingle jangle? Yeah. Welcome, monsieur. We don't have the rights. We don't. We don't have the rights. Um, MTI is coming for us. Bonjour and au revoirs. Uh, when I was in Les Mis uh, as a ute, um, <laughs> I was in the ensemble, uh, and I... I had to be I had to be a nun in like the scene where spoiler alert Fontaine dies, um, and then I in like the immediate next scene had to be maybe Fontaine doesn't die in that I had to be a nun with Fontaine, and then the immediate next scene was uh, Master of the House, and I had to be like a lady of questionable repute. Um, After and being so a lady I was wearing a nun costume. I was wearing like a whole nun costume with like hooker boots on underneath, <laughs> which are totally historically accurate to revolutionary France. Of course. A uh, platform knee-high black pleather boots. I, that's, what, that's all the fa- fashion in Paris during. I always wanted to be a theater kid, but I guess I wasn't very good. I was a lot of like extra roles and everyone's like, we know she loves it, so we'll throw it in there. Oh, what a sweet, what a sweet, sweet, baby. sweet baby. I just played a lot of men. Um, <laughs> you got the height. I got the height and uh, I had the height and the low voice before any of the men did. So I had to I cleaned up uh, somewhat. We did a uh, 12th night and someone they wanted Amians to actually like sing during it. And so this kid was like, yeah, I play guitar. And then they found out that he doesn't. And then I did. So I kind of played first Lord tip of the hat. And then I did all the songs and my voice was too low. And there he's like, you need to be louder. I was like, I can't sing in this key. And that's when I discovered the guitar capo. And that's when I discovered that I was a real boy after all. <laughs> Clap uh, your hands. When I played Fagin and Oliver as uh, when I was 12 Holy years old. Beth. All right. But that's, this, that's a little bit of our history. <laughs> We're going to just drop some more little, little beats and facts to about me, our history. Let me pivot to, I want some recognition for this. Um, also, I want both of you to remind me to like drink water because I sound like I'm dying uh, throughout this episode. <laughs> yell at me to hydrate. You can do it at home, too. Do it along with us. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have done that as Cass is drinking water. Anyway, I want some recognition for this. Uh, this is our eighth episode. Yes. And it's the first time I'm doing a piece of Chicago history. Oh. <gasps> I made it this far. You keep joking about how it's you're only ever talking about Chicago history, and it took you eight episodes. To I hear. know such restraint. I'm very proud of myself. I will say that <laughs> this I is going to be a four parter. <laughs> also, had to exercise restraint because there was multiple. I had multiple topics. I was like, "Oh, I want to do like something that's kind of like this," and then I had like a great story for it. But I realized it was also Chicago related, and I was like, "Damn it!" Um, so, hey, hello everybody. I hope you had a fantastic Labor Day weekend. Because I know that this episode will come out the day after Labor Day. 
So I'm going to talk to you about the U.S. labor movement. Specifically, I'm going to talk kind of specific. Well, let me tell you about the Haymarket Affair. Ever heard of it? No. Good. That's the a haymaker point. is like a, a punch and boxing. <laughs> a good punch. Yeah. A good punch. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, you know what kind of relevant. Um, okay. So in almost every other fun fact, in almost every other major industrial nation, May Day, May first is Labor Day. Uh, they celebrate labor. They celebrate laborers on May Day, and for years. Half the American labor movement observed May 1st as Labor Day, while the other half observed the first Monday in September, yesterday. Um, so why is May Day central to the labor movement? The Haymarket Affair. Alright, let me paint you a picture. America. Sprinkle some fairy dust. Yeah. America, the 1880s. <laughs> uh, strikes among indus- industrial workers are increasingly common. The labor movement is growing. Immigrants are joining, uh, and some are bringing some more socialist and anarchist, anarchist ideals from their homes into the U.S. labor movement. Uh, and so just the fact that there are immigrants involved and like maybe they're from a place with like more socialism gives business owners and the press an excuse to like just completely condemn the labor movements altogether. Got it. They're using the... Like, yeah, they just need to bundle them thing. up, and yep. they're like, these are bad, socialism is awful... Um, don't talk to us about it ever again. Um, but mostly what's happening is like, we just want an eight hour workday. Um, and we want, you know, fair wages and we want Cash. less shitty working conditions. What? Cause this no. is like industrial 1880s America and it's not fun to work in a factory. Then. No, there's like dirt and shit on the ground and your like arms are getting ripped off. Yeah. And it's mostly and you're children. Working, like 10 to 12 hour days. In the dark. Uh, go read the seven jungle. days a week. Um, so in Illinois, we actually won the demand for an eight hour workday 20 years ago in this story, like 20, like in the 1860s. Um, but it, there were in, uh, we're in the 1880s. Okay. I was, I was wondering where a starting point. I was like, my math is not that bad. No, we're in the <laughs> 1880s. In the 1860s, Illinois, uh, approved, approved an eight hour workday. Got it. Hashtag progressive. Um, but there were huge loopholes and, uh, of course, they were being all of those loopholes. Basically, like we were like eight hour workday. Also, like pay us the same. Chicago and, politics running rampant with loopholes, right? I don't believe nonsense. It. Um, and so the laborers went on strike about the loopholes, and as a result, the law basically collapsed. You know, rather than fixing the loopholes, right? Um, so now it's uh, it's eighteen eighty six, and we're real pissed. <laughs> We're real frustrated. The eight-hour uh, the eight-hour day movement has resurfaced. Labor unions urge workers to observe an eight-hour day. Law be damned. They're like, just leave after eight hours. You do you. Um, starting May first, which is why it's recognized as May Day, mm. uh, eighteen eighty-six. Zoom in on Chicago. <laughs> Hard cut. Enhance. <laughs> uh, we're industrial AF. Uh, we've got immigrant laborers coming out of our what's it? Smog everywhere. We got smog everywhere. We got dirt and shit on the ground. <laughs> We're at the center of the eight hour uh, workday movement mm. here in Chicago. And like we held 19 demonstrations on the matter in less than like two weeks in uh, April and May of 1886. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, we're great. And we have the most interesting histories. So I'm just. Hashtag fight unbi- me. Unbiased. <laughs> Natalie is pulling out her boxing gloves. I'm going to give she you got a haymaker. her haymakers ready. 
Um, zoom in uh, again. <laughs> zoom in even further. Enhance, enhance. Uh, on Haymarket Square. It's May 4th, 1886. You really are telling a tale. I love it. Yep. Uh, yesterday at a, uh, at a peaceful rally outside of McCormick Harvesting Machine Company plant. Out. Wait, you're saying yesterday? Like, you're living in this moment. Yeah, right I'm now. living in I'm May. I'm so it's, confused. It's of May 4th. <laughs> yesterday. Haymarket Square. This is, this is what they call first-person chronological. Nat- yeah. Natalie, what is your character name in this? Oh, oh, Fan- oh. Fanny Pemberton. It's 100% Fanny, Fanny Pemberton. Pemberton. <laughs> um, so... So on May 3rd, uh, outside of uh, McCormick Harvesting Machine Company. Plant. It's like straight up some magic school bus shit. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, if you see our illustration, like Natalie is straight I'm up. full frizzle. Full frizzle. <laughs> I went full frizzle, guys. <laughs> um, outside do, of do, 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 do. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there's a um, chameleon over here, too. Uh, there's a, I don't know Iguana. why he just follows me everywhere I go. Um, uh, I don't understand what McCormick Harvesting Machine Company plant does. But that was the name of the place. And uh, outside of it, on May 3rd, there's uh, like a peaceful demonstration and a rally about the eight-hour day. Uh, and there's like a hubbub. And then the police fire on the crowd uh, and killing and wound- wounding several workers. So on the 4th, so on t- this evening. The, the, yes, the, Miss Pemberton. On the 4th. Of, of May, 1886, uh, laborers convene in Haymarket Square for what is meant to be another peaceful rally. Until this point, and until, like, that, uh, that like, moment of violence, like, it had been a pretty peaceful uh, movement. Yeah, D- like, the whole movement. Yeah, so, like, the, the they were called, like, anarchists because uh, the social, like... They were challenging ideas. Yeah, like at a certain well, at a certain point, it was like the socialists like labeled them anarchists because the socialists were like trying to like be like there's us and there's them and we sometimes work together. But, but they like, were like, we're the good guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, <gasps> so they're they're in Haymarket Square for another peaceful rally. It's lightly raining. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I told you, you going to paint. Thank you picture. for whispering into the um, Three of it's like, can we have some foley for the rain? <laughs> Jesus Christ! Uh, three, three of the leaders of the movement. Well, now I'm that's just the rain. To, I'm drinking so many liquids. Don't make me pee. <laughs> it's the rain up against the window. Oh my god! They don't have windows. <laughs> There's dirt and shit on the ground. It's there, the, rain. the windows did not exist in Also, they're outside. Shit. Yeah, that's the soft thud of the rain upon the dirt and the shit. Um, slender. Sorry. Three leaders of the movement in Chicago, of the labor movement in Chicago, speak to a crowd. Some say the crowd's like six hundred. Some say the crowd's like three thousand. What does Fanny Pemberton say? Uh, Fanny Pemberton says she's not in the range of six hundred or three thousand. She doesn't have a good spatial reasoning skills. She can't estimate. Um, but like, so so they're standing like an open wagon, and they're they're talking to their people. And a large number of on-duty police are watching from nearby uh, because factory owners and city officials are concerned that this meeting was called uh, with the intent to spark a riot in, like, revenge of yesterday's events. May 3rd's events. Yeah, cool. Um, Even though the the mayor of Chicago at the time, Carter Harrison, was was pro-labor, I mean, as much as he could be because also, like, he needed to keep the business owners happy... Um, and gave permission for the meeting. So, uh, but the with the business owners and, and uh, factory owners and the officials are, and police are like, they're up to no good. You see, um, so now it's ten thirty p.m. 
And the final speaker is finally wrapping up. Uh, when the police arrive in mass and march on the speaker's wagon and order the rally to disperse, which I love because they were done anyway. Like the police like march on them and are like, you desist, stop speaking, you disperse. And they're like, yeah, cool. Like we were like, we're, we were wrapping up. Dude, we were done. Like our permits only good till 11. We were like, we we're wrapping up. Um, at this point, a homemade dynamite bomb is thrown into the path of the advancing police. Oh, it explodes. It kills one officer, Officer Deegan, and it mortally wounds six others. And then all hell breaks loose. Uh, accounts vary widely on, like, who shot first. Han shot first. Um, uh, and what? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Was that? Uh, well, now we got to go back and say, may the fourth be with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it all comes together. Everything uh, connects. So everyone's like, we don't know who shot first. We don't actually know where this bomb came from, but it was like hurled at the police. Uh, and like records are like, we, we don't even know if the crowd fired back at all or if it was like it was just the bomb. Boom, explosion. Everybody panics. Police start shooting. Do they shoot the sheriff? <laughs> they didn't get the deputy. <laughs> uh, I was trying to find a way to get that in there. Oh, God. Uh, and they... They, uh, yeah, so like everyone's kind of like running around. So, like, there's also accounts that are like none of the labor, none of like the rally attendees shot at all, and they were mostly getting shot like in the back because they were running away because a bomb just went. Yeah, out. so someone threw a bomb, they're like, we're gonna run away, and the police yeah. are like, meh, let's just go for so it. So, four civilians were killed, uh, because thank goodness that old guns are b- n- not, not, not good. good, no, not good, they're not good. Um, uh, seven policemen were killed. Only one from the bomb. Only Officer Deegan died because of the bomb. Wait, how many did you say were shot by police? Four. Four. Okay. Uh, and uh, the other the other policemen were all from gunfire, which was likely friendly fire because like they were all like, "Holy shit, bomb just went off!" And they right. were like shooting everywhere. Um, and like a whole bunch of like people were wounded, uh, civilians and officers alike. It. Uh, one of the articles I read, and it was a fairly recent article, so I feel like this has to be, still be accurate, said it remains the single most deadly incident of officers being killed in the line of duty in the history of the Chicago Police Department. Um, so, weird flex, but okay. <laughs> I'm going to kill Rip. <laughs> Rip almost spit out hot coffee. Three of the hot four sweet lows that are in his... Um, burning sugar but basically the police assume that this whole thing was like a planned conspiracy and they arrest several folks ultimately charging eight of them do we think they thought that or do we think they were using this as an excuse yes to target laborers like kind of both um because to this day there no no one was ever tried for throwing the bomb got it no one was ever tried for actually throwing the bomb um so it's uh uh, the eight that are charged are August Spies, who is one of the guys who is talking. What's his name? August Spies. Come on. It's a good, it's a good strong German name. <laughs> good names. Yeah. Um, Michael Schwab, Adolf uh, Fischer, Oscar Nieb. Uh, they were all, they all worked for uh, the Arbiter Zeitung, which was like a, like a labor slash like anarchist, like newspaper. Mm. Um, George Engel, who was known as a militant radicalist, who wasn't even at the Haymarket rally. Right. He was at home playing cards. Um, Louis Ling, uh, who honestly like made a lot of bombs. Like he had a bunch of 
Like, he had for a, real? He had, like he, a bunch of, he had a bunch of, like, bomb-making stuff in his house. Yeah. Um, and uh, Samuel Fielden, who also was one of the speakers, and Albert Parsons. Uh, so those are the other two speakers at that rally. Seven of the eight of them were sentenced to death by hanging. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Neeb was sentenced to 15 years in prison. Uh, and technically, no one was, like I said, no one was actually ever tried for the bombing itself. Uh, they were tried for, like, conspiracy, but it was, like, you can't commit a conspiracy without it. It was, like, a conspiracy to do what? None of your guys are being charged with yeah. the what? Did they actually hang them, or were they just sentenced? They were hanged. Like, they went they were all They were, they were all hanged. Um, and the, uh, the investigation and subsequent trial is super interesting and fucked up and convoluted, and I read a whole book on it called Death in the Haymarket. Uh, Great but, title. Uh, Fun fact, this isn't about them. This isn't about them. <laughs> I told you I was going to spend 10 minutes telling you about something Natalie and then text, do a hard pivot. Natalie texted me because we don't tell each other our topics, but she was like, oh my God, Cass researching this. I can't tell you how many times I'm going to do it. It's not about them. It's really just this big, it's not about them. I will probably do a more in-depth, I think, like Haymarket episode about like the trial. Yeah. But I wanted to just set up that like, like this whole thing was like real fucked up. Um, but this was just a really long intro to get to who I wanted to talk about, <laughs> which is Lucy Parsons, activist, badass, and wife of one of the Haymarket organizers, was speakers, also, and the condemned. Was she also a friend of Fanny Pemberton's? She was a dear friend of Fanny Pemberton. Sorry, I stepped on the end of your talk. Uh, no, it's fine. I was I was just talking about her husband, so it's like it doesn't matter. Uh, so Albert Parsons is one of the uh, one of the gentlemen who spoke at the uh, at the rally and who was. Uh, Arrested, uh, tried, convicted, and hanged. Um, so Lucy uh, is fascinating. She, her origins are very poorly documented. She was like either some people are like she was born in Texas, others so like she was born in Virginia. And I'm like those are two very different states, very far away. Um, and she may have been. So the kind of consensus is that she was born a slave, or was born to parents who were formerly slaves. Uh, uh, to parents of Native American, African American, and or Mexican ancestry. So she was like kind of ethnically ambiguous, but she was obviously a woman of color, and it was just kind of like a question mark of like what her background actually yeah. was. So she lists her parents as Pedro Diaz and uh, Maritz uh, Gonzalez, who are both Mexico born, and she always denied her African American heritage. Claiming only, she only claimed the Native American and the Mexican ancestry. Um, but the facts are, she was a woman of color um, in the late 1880s, uh, in the late 1800s. And historians aren't sure if the denial of the African American culture was because she didn't actually have any, and people just assumed because they just were like, "You're you." We're gonna lump you in, yeah. Um, or if uh, if if she just her life could be marginally easier if she right only if she only ever vocalized and talked about yeah. um, the, the Mexican and Native American heritage. Uh, she and her husband, Albert, who was a former Confederate soldier, had already had to flee Texas to Chicago because uh, of intolerance of their interracial marriage. So, hooray racism. They settle in Chicago, which, as much as I love the city, lots of racism. Um, so the Parsons had become like super effective anarchist organizers and activists involved in the labor movement. Um, 
and on issues surrounding like political prisoners, poverty, like yeah. unemployment, people of color, homelessness, etc. This was a her husband was her a Confederate husband. soldier. Yeah, he was a former Confederate soldier. Hard turn. Yeah, hard pivot. Uh, Good for you, sir. Right, Albert. Uh, she opened a dress shop uh, to support her family because Albert had already been blacklisted from all of the newspapers and like printing trade in Chicago because uh, of his involvement in organizing workers. Mm. Uh, but she always found time and energy to push forward her political and activist career. Had a girl. Um, so basically, she was just amazing. She like wrote for the Socialist, which is a publication. Uh, she helped found and write for the Alarm, which she wrote for wrote with uh, with her husband, um, and which was it was the Journal of the International Working People's Association, uh, which was like international kind of in name alone. Um, because there were a bunch of, I could go into a whole other thing about how there's so many different like labor parties uh, or like organizations and associations because basically like somebody would like ruin it or they would like lose traction so they'd rebrand. Yeah. Um, uh, and so while her husband and his friends led strikes and marches in like major in like major industries and factories, uh, uh, she and her collaborator Lizzie Holmes. Uh, not Fanny. Damn it. Um, led marches of working seamstresses. So she was like, so they were getting both sides of uh, the workforce. Um, in fact, Albert Parsons was never supposed to speak at Haymarket because he was attending a nearby meeting organized by Lizzie and Lucy uh, of like seamstresses. And he had like just come back from like speaking in Ohio. So he was never even supposed to be at the Haymarket rally. He's just like, I was just at a rally. I'm on my way to a meeting. Let me casually stop by. No, and- they, they had like a, they had like a bunch of their speakers like drop out or like maybe get arrested. I don't know. Um, and so, so both Albert and I want to say, I want I think Samuel Fielden. So two out of the three of the speakers who were there were, came from Lucy's meeting then oh, to Haymarket. From- okay. And then they, and spoke there. Um, Furthermore, it's apparently of record that both Lucy and Albert left Haymarket Square while Fielden was still speaking. He was the last speaker because it had started raining. And they were like, we should go home to our kids. Um, that, soft, that soft rain. Um, so remember how I said that like all the investigations and convictions were like a hot mess of garbage? Yeah. Like, there you go. Yeah. Um, so when Albert was accused of the bombing, he went into hiding until the trial date. Uh, and so while he was in hiding, Lucy was under con- constant police surveillance because oh, yeah. they figured she knew something. She was like, I don't, I truly do not. We're not dumb enough to tell me where he was going because right. y'all are going to make my life miserable. Um, authorities saw her as a threat, but she was never charged. Uh, she was likely never charged for anything regarding Haymarket because they've, the authorities would have thought it was unlikely that they could get a jury to convict a woman and hang her for murder. Like they, in seminal musical classic, Chicago. Yes. Uh-uh. They thought it was unlikely that the, that the jury would convict a woman. Yeah. Uh, and they were worried that if she was up there with the men, that they wouldn't be able to get as harsh of convictions that they wanted okay. for the men. Yeah. So, so they're they like, like, we really want to hang these people. Don't throw a woman so, in like, there. So, like, we're not going to throw Lucy in it. Because then people will have, like, sympathy towards What if we don't get our way yeah. uh, in this completely bogus. fabricated bogus trial? Um, this 100% frame drop. Uh, eventually, Albert turned himself in. He was convicted and eventually hanged. But Lucy never wavered. 
Had a girl. She toured the country while, he, like, while the trial was still going on. The trial went on for like a year. She toured the country, spreading the word of unjust tri- of the unjust trial and gathering funds. She took a stand against the Knights of Labor, a group to which she had belonged for over ten years because they they condemned the Haymarket activists instead of standing with them. This is all the like splinter labor yes. groups trying to be like we want to get a good name because the press was saying that these people did it and even though like everyone kind of in that community was like unlikely half of them weren't there yeah also you have no all the evidence is circumstantial and half the and like this is nonsense yeah it still like was bad press and for the labor movement yeah um but also like good press for the labor movement. it like simultaneously like fractured it and bolstered it from from what i little know about the labor movement all over like in, in england and and whatnot um, that was kind of like the major issue of like people were organizing, but then they were fracturing and splintering and yeah. like, so that's or- why there's so many different organizations. Yeah. For it too. And it was hard for them to, I mean, cause there's also a lot of racism among the laborers. Yeah. And so it would basically be like a group would become like largely made up of people of like German heritage. Yeah. And then like, people would be like, well, we can't be part of that group, but they wouldn't let the Germans. They wouldn't, there were a lot of like um, American, quote, I'm using air quotes, laborers that were like, we don't want immigrant laborers mm-hmm. in our union. Yeah. And it was like, you're all immigrants. Y'all, y'all moved here like, not that long. you're all immigrants. Uh, um, but yeah, she relentlessly also, she tried to get the governor of Illinois to like squash the trial. Um, he of course did not. And uh, all of those men, uh, were hanged. Um, she did not get to see her husband one last time before he was before he hanged. She went to go, as was her right. She brought her family. She brought her kids. And instead, they were taken to jail, forced to strip, and were left naked in a cold cell until after her husband's death. What? Shit's fucked up. What is? What does that accomplish? I don't know. That's I don't know if so they thought fun. like that she, he was gonna like be like. Tell her where the hidden treasure was. Nicholas Cage wasn't there. <laughs> God damn it. You set that up perfectly. Um, you wanted that. <laughs> I did. But did I? Uh, it's like I wanted it, but now that I got it. Um, so she vowed to keep fighting and fight. She did. Okay. Uh, she became an inner. So she was already becoming like a national, like a nationally recognized um, activist. Uh, and then she became an internationally recognized anarchist socialist and advocate for labor rights. Uh, she actually identified herself more of as a socialist, but because they were calling, because her husband died in the name of the anarchist movement and was condemned for being a quote unquote anarchist. She yeah. was like kind of more of like accepted and uh, that term more. Right. Um, but she wrote for a French anarchist journal and she spoke out alongside other white male socialist activists in like Britain and abroad. Um, uh, one of them was William Morris, who was the only, was, was, I was like, I know that name as just like a British author and socialist. Yeah. Um, uh, she, she was arrested all the time. She was constantly arrested and harassed for giving public speak- speeches, continuing to write for these and distribute these anarchist like literature. Um, and she even, she fought with her contemporaries who she felt were focusing too heavily on class politics instead of also focusing on like the gender and like and yeah. sexual struggles involved in it as well. Um, 
She helped found the Industrial Workers of the World and became an editor at an anarchist neighbor newspaper in Chicago that supported the IWW. She organized against hunger and unemployment. Most notably, she uh, organized the Chicago Hunger Demonstration, uh, which was like a big landmark because it the so, the Socialist Labor Party and uh, the, like the Jane Hull House and uh, one other organization like she kind of like uh, gathered them like herded them like cats and like it was them all of them on on this one demonstration and yeah. typically those groups were like operated at their own lanes and kind of like she didn't really get along yeah. um, but they all got but she, but Lucy did it Lucy got them together. Um, and then it's, apparently she also took over the unemployment committee with the IWW in San Francisco, but I'm like, well, girl, how you were here. Um, always on the move this Lucy. Hey, thanks Alexander Graham Bell. I'm sure we had a lot of phone convos. When was that? When was a phone? I don't convo? know. Who knows? Maybe, maybe like a little tap, 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 tap. What are yeah. those called? The Morse. <laughs> telegrams. Oh, Telegraph? we're awful. Uh, but basically, this is why we need to learn history. She, like she, she worked on like the National Committee of the International Labor Defense, um, which was communist-led, and uh, defended labor activists and unjustly accused Amer- African Americans, such as these are other history deep cuts that don't get enough coverage that maybe we'll talk about at a future date. The Scottsboro Nine, which if you don't know who the Scottsboro Nine were, um, they were uh, uh, African Americans who were falsely accused of raping. Uh, two white women on a train in Alabama. Uh, they had like a rushed trial. They had all white jurors. It was there was like mobs. There was a lynch mob before the, their arrest. Even a whole hullabaloo. Yeah, uh, a whole lot of nonsense. Um, and uh, Angela Herndon, which was a fellow labor organizer, arrested and uh, convicted after organizing industrial workers in Atlanta. Um, he was like arrested for insurrection. Yeah. Um, but basically she kicked ass. She took names. Uh, she heavily rolled her eyes whenever anyone asked her like, like, what are you? Ew. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, she was active in the fight against oppression until her death and was described as by the Chicago police department as quote, more dangerous than a thousand rioters. At a girl loose. I love it. Uh, she lived to 89. Uh, she, she, uh, actually, she passed away um, in an accidental fire. And then her lover passed away, the ne- like died the next day from wounds that he got trying to save her from the fire. Uh, sad. Um, her library of 1,500 books on sex, socialism, and anarchy um, were mysteriously stolen by the FBI. Hmm. Somebody like went to go collect them and they just like didn't tell them that like the FBI had already confiscated. Them. Oh my god. They're like, oh no, where are these where are these books go? Oops. Uh we oh no. I have a I have a picture of Lucy pulled up that will that you guys can't see, but we'll throw it on the Instagram. Oh yeah. The girl knows how to wear a hat. Oh yeah. She's Ooh. beautiful. She's a babe. Yeah. Um but yeah, I just like I love her. Also, like, seriously, that book, Death in the Haymarket, um, does a really good job of, like, they set up what the labor movement had been up until, like, they, like, basically they build, like, what led to and set the stage for the Haymarket affair, um, which, like, 
Again, branding. Some people call the Haymarket Affair. Others call the Haymarket Riot. Yeah. Others, the people who were mostly shot, call it the Haymarket Massacre. Yeah. Um, that checks out. Yeah. Uh, so it was like authorities would call it the Haymarket Words Riot. Uh, but like the labor movement would call it the Haymarket Massacre. Um, it like does a really good job of like setting it up and then like the actual event of the thing and where people were during it and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, into... But do they do as good a job as Fanny Pemberton? Not as good a job. I mean, you can't beat a, a first-person account. Also, I, you mentioned in a previous episode that you wanted to post a picture of you in, like, old-timey garb from whatever. I'm still looking for it. If you find it, we're posting it again for this episode. <laughs> and just and putting, guys, it, putting it in, like, sepia we, tone. We and found just... a picture of Fanny Pemberton. She was real. She was real. Um... Yeah, uh, the 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 book so the book covers a trial like in depth too. Yeah. So if you want to hear all that bullshit nonsense about the investigation and the trial, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, but it's a good read. It's a good good read. We'll we'll post a little information about the book yeah. for y'all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like she she was like already an activist for years, and then in the aftermath of. Uh, of this was like kind of became like internationally known and more. Yeah. It sounds like this wasn't just a Chicago thing. Like everyone, like Mm -hmm. she made sure everyone knew about this coast to coast. And the whole trial, she was like touring around being like, just like the papers are telling you, this is what's happening. Just bullshit. Yeah. Uh, And trying, she was trying to keep the labor movement alive despite like this being an event that people were trying to like businesses were trying to that. use to like com- like squash it once and for all. And it sounds like she was quite a prolific writer as well. Yeah, oh yeah. She was like a writer, she was an editor, she was a great speaker. Um she was just real cool. I want to be friends with her. Yeah, I would I would totes I would totes hang with uh hang with Luce. I don't know a whole lot about the labor movements. I think we've established on this podcast we don't know a whole lot about anything. But the only thing I do know really is uh, there is a book called North South that was turned into like a masterpiece classic that's on Netflix and it's about I've it's about the Industrial seen. Revolution and Richard Armitage is a babe Uh-oh. and it's a love story and there's this part there's a lot of there's a lot of scenes of just like glances. like stolen glances and like. Feathers, like and like <laughs> dust, like floating in the air. And there's this great scene where like he's the he's the factory owner, and it's then the, pretty much Pride and Prejudice, but in, but in, in a factory. Dust, in a factory. And he's like mean to her, but he likes her. And then she's like going away in a carriage, and he's looking wistfully out a window, and he goes, "Look back at me, look back." Oh my god, it's the greatest thing it's ever. So good. Go watch it. I rewatched it. I had um, it's I, like a four part series. I rewatched <laughs> it after uh, I had shoulder surgery a couple of years ago. <laughs> And my mom came to hang out with me post-op because I wouldn't let her go with me to the hospital. I was like, Justin, doesn't, my husband doesn't need to deal with that. Oh, mom, yeah. you can come after and you can bring me food and I will be on painkillers. <laughs> and I'm going to watch North, South and, so, and cry. Well, we watched North, South because I was trying to, I was like, oh, I'll put on like Gilmore Girls because I want to put on something my mom had seen so that we didn't really have to like pay attention to it. Yeah. And that like I didn't. Have to explain. Yeah. Sorry, mom. Uh, great. Now, now I'm, now I have to apologize to my mom. Um, we came full circle. Um, that, uh, that I had to, I didn't want to have to like answer questions, but then it turned out that my mother had apparently allegedly never seen an episode of Gilmore Girls. And we were like, I was in, I was deep in Jess seasons. Uh, Hashtag Jess. Team Jess. Team Jess 
all the way. All the way. Um, uh, Rip is just like, yeah, "Yeah, sure. I don't want to start a fight. I don't know what you're talking about. Haymaker over here. Um, Jess could throw a haymaker. Jess says he could. I mean, actually, all those boys could. They resorted to violence. Logan was the worst. Can we just say, actually, you know, Dean Dean was was pretty toxic, nice guy. But regardless, I didn't want to have to keep explaining Gilmore Girls to my mom, so I put on North, uh, North and South as a. I was like, I don't know why painkillers made me real into period dramas. <laughs> I was like, this is what my body needs to heal. I mean, my like, uh, it's raining out, or I just need to fall asleep. Like, I just always put Pride and Prejudice on. I can go like shot for shot the entire like first twenty minutes. Uh, of the movie. I'm sorry, Kira Knightley. Or- Kira Knightley. Okay. The it's- other one is a trudge to get through, but Colin- which one? The- oh, Colin Firth. The Colin Firth one, but I love him. And he and he, he wears comes a out white of a shirt pond and a white shirt. Out of a pond. Yeah, uh, that's what Jane Austen intended. Thank you, Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we've gotten deeply off topic. We'll do a movie episode later. Um, person I would like to tell you about is uh, one uh, Madeline Brace. Bray? Bray? It's French. Brace? Brace? No, let me look at it. <laughs> let me do a looky. There's an Bray? Bray? That's not an accent a goo, though. That's an accent. That's, That's a, what it showed on the... No, I know, but I'm saying like Bray, like an accent, a goo. Well, we don't need to get into this. Um, there's a little hash mark over the E and then there's an S and... Yeah, but it's not an accent, a goo. It's the other accent, grave, because it points to the grave. Accent, oh, a goo goes dark. Up. No, it's how I remember them. It's not accurate. It's just, it's not like the point that's, of them. That's what you went for? <laughs> Sorry, Monsieur Wit, my French teacher. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> okay, so uh, Madeline Bray... Uh, Born 1842, died 1921. She was the first French woman to obtain a medical degree. Girl, get it. Get it, girl. She was the original Meredith Grey. Nope. 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 (laughs) The disproving look I just, although I do love Grey. I'll show myself out. Season one through two, three and four started to get off the rails. Yeah, once there's ghosts and Um, it's weird. Bye, Burke. Uh, So so she, um, when she was asked about... uh, like why she wanted to get into uh, medicine and whatnot. She had a, from, from a very young age, uh, she had uh, an interest. Um, her father was a wheelwright and he would go I'm over. Sorry, what? A wheelwright. He was uh, like. You just a, come over and write your wheels? Yep. W R I G H T. So he was like a carpenter. He would go and fix people's like carriages and stuff. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Makes way more sense than everything that I was thinking. Like, have you heard of like a shipwright? Nope. Nope. That's a person who fixes ships. <laughs> um. So uh, he was a wheel smith. A wheel smith. Will Smith. He was Will Smith. <laughs> In um, West Philadelphia. <laughs> Proceed. Uh, that's uh. Literally, that is Natalie's warm up. Uh, is my mic warm up? Is her mic check? Is all the lyrics to the first verse, not yep. just the uh, television intro. Anyway, so so he would go to this local hospital a lot to fix you know repairs and do stuff for the nuns there. And she has this quote. Uh, she said, "I was barely eight years old when my father, who was a wheelwright by trade, it is not a silly job." Wow, that's in the quote. That's in it. It says dash. It is not a silly Mom, job. Madeline, a little defensive. <laughs> Drove me to the sister's home where he carried out his work. So she would go with her dad a lot while he was fixing things over there. 
And she would hang out at this hospital that was run by nuns. Um, and one nun took affection to her and taught her some small procedures. Um, Did any of these nuns secretly have go-go boots on underneath? Their I mean, head? I think they had to. Have. Yeah, I think it's part of the uniform. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and then they broke into Les Mis, master yeah. of the house. They're in, when in France. <laughs> JC is the ultimate master of this house. Mm, no, I don't like that. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Superstar. Oh my God, we have a problem. We have an Andrew Lloyd Webber problem. We're monsters. All right. Um, so uh, this, this one nun uh, taught her, um, it says, small procedures such as the preparation of herbal teas and poultices. I'm drinking an herbal tea right now. What is a poultice? It doesn't I'm sound drinking. good. It sounds like it has to do with poltergeists. <laughs> I was, yeah. I don't love the word. It's ghost tea. <laughs> Ghost tea. Which honestly, like some herbal tea is like ghost tea hot sounds water like, touched by a ghost. Ghost tea sounds like a like an energy drink that's trying to market like a healthy ghost tea. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's a, monster energy. It's but, monster, but for like uh, uh uh people who are really into like herbalism and like I'm trying to think of the name of I can't think of her last name. It's I was gonna say it's an energy drink for Marianne What's her face, who's uh one of the oh, Democratic candidates. <laughs> Yes. Uh, it's her burning sage drink. and drinking yeah. ghost tea. I love that. Um, so, yeah. So she took an interest in uh, medicine and healing from a very young age. Um, she got married when she was 15. Ooh. Tis the times. To Heavy an, sigh. Yes. To uh, Adrienne Stefan Bray. Um, and, oh, my God. I don't have her maiden name oh i forgot to write that down bray is her married name we're gonna say that her maiden name was wheelwright yep because people madeline were wheelwright. often named after madeline wheel uh uh rip could you drop a, a beat in a second just look, give me a give me a quick look at what wheelwright is in french or or what madeline or what her actual <laughs> maiden name was. um yes so in 1861 french degrees became open to women like they were allowed to get a higher education degree um in 1866 i believe she was 19 i mean like this i don't i don't know i just made like a look of like go france like we covered that the French were the only people letting people study, apparently, letting women study. <laughs> Hashtag Marie, Marie Curie. Curie. Justice for Marie. <laughs> the flying school. Ugh. Um, go listen to our science episode, um, if you haven't already. So in 1866, hard cut, um, she asked permission to enroll at the Sorbonne, which the Sorbonne was mm -hmm. the University of Paris. Um, at the time, French law judged married women to be the legal responsibility of their husbands, Surprise, surprise. I feel like that's been a thing for a while. Um, and women at the time, if you weren't married or, or if you were, and you had to be chaperoned everywhere, yeah. right? If you were not in the... In Can't the, be trusted on your own. Yeah. Um, but women who went to school had to be chaperoned into the amphitheaters, which back then um, in, I mean, universities in general, they were kind of uh, you know, like stadium seating. But in medical schools um they called them theaters where they would yeah. have um the person on and everyone's up in the gallery yeah they'd have the person on the table and they'd be doing the surgery and then it was literally it looked like a stadium seating it looked like a thunderdome almost yep. theater in the round um and they called it the theater um which i have a question what year did you say this was um in 1866 she asked permission to enroll to, okay and they turned her down um th you know in I think this was just for the medical. Yeah. Girl, um, 
Ask for forgiveness, not permission. Well, you know, they're they going to kick her out. I don't know. Put her hair in a hat and pretend to be a man. Uh, a lot of the reason why they said women couldn't do a, uh, get a medical degree is because they're like, they don't have the constitution for it. A lot of them was their outfits. They said, I wish that she just, she's a man to this. Dress up. <laughs> just dress like up like her brother. Yep. And in, and enroll and, and show everybody that women can do medicine too. And then uh, Channing Tatum is there yeah, and he, well he's, he's not wearing a shirt. He's not. <laughs> and everyone has tampons in their noses. Uh, Beckham does it all the time. Beckham does it all the time. Go watch. She's a man. Rip, do you have a beat for us? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> beat break. Beat break. on beat break. Born Madeline Gebelin. Gebelin. We. Or alternatively, you can ex- pretend that her maiden name was Sharon, which is French for wheelwright. Yep, Natalie looked that up. It <laughs> was important to me. Also, let's see how this sounds. Madeleine Bresse. Bresse. So you do hit that S in there. Bresse. It's because of that accent. Grave, baby. <laughs> um, so, yes. So outfits of the students were examined closely and fa- uh, from a fashion point of view, feminine femininity must be banned that was like part of like why they couldn't do it because oh it's like when you couldn't wear like spaghetti straps in like high school because the boys would get distracted yeah because it's our fault um but also it's like oh women were too soft they don't have the constitution to do this look at their dress of course they can't be a doctor they don't even have pockets yep um so when she uh approached the dean to ask to register for medical degree she said i want to devote myself to caring for women and children i'm here mr dean to beg you to allow me to register for the medical degree um and he said no well he said to her he seemed from all my notes so the dean of medicine was charles adolf wurtz um good name great name he Everything that I read made it seem like he was sympathetic and he like wanted to help her out, okay. but he knew like so you, people aren't going to be cool with this. So he said to her, get your bachelor's degree and come back. So she went to go get... I mean, honestly, not... not a, I mean, I know at the time that men could just be like, right. I'm going to be a doctor now. Yeah. But well, and, and it was Not unreasonable. In, in further research to this, I realized like if you wanted to be a doctor, you just like went to medical school. Like yeah. they did not really... Sp- this is like when they're starting to incorporate science. Like a lot of people, um, another person I, uh, I found when I was researching this was the first guy who um, was like, hey, we should, we should wash hands when we help deliver babies. They, like, they had separated like, in the man, hospital. A lot of these women are, are dying they were getting, they're or getting, getting like, sepsis and horrible stuff. infections. So like it was funny because... And there's not as much dirt and shit on the floor. So I can't remember the guy's name, but like in one wing, it was like the doctors delivering babies. And then in another wing in the hospital is all the midwives. And they were, he was like, oh man, I'm going to do like, I'm going to do some number shit right here. And he was uh, taking stats from mortality rates on the hospital side, which was all the dudes. And then on the midwife section, which like wasn't doing quote-unquote procedures they were doing you know like but they were bare minimum washing their hands exactly and so he (laughs) it was funny they said he was like trying to figure out he was trying to like do like analysis of like what's causing it and apparently because most hospitals were like run by the church or whatever so during a late uh birth and whatnot they had a priest who would be walking around and ringing a bell and so he was like you know what 
I think the bell is scaring them after the trauma of birth. So he's like, priest, like take a different route and don't use the bell. And, and he said the like, priests come in like with the, with the, um, oh, what is the it? Incense. With the incense, the, but like, but mortality rates in rice is like, Hmm, that can't be it. Um, but it's not about him. Uh, so, so, yeah, like you the priests didn't... are like sprinkling them with holy water now, right? Like, but he he working. discovered that it was like a bacteria thing, and that's when people started doing like, oh, if I want to be a surgeon, I need to study like the sciences, like you know, germs and science shit. Um, but that didn't happen until like the 1860s. Like that's insane. I'm gonna apologize on your behalf to Miss Griffith and Mr. Graskin. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Miss Griffith and Mr. Graskin. Um, so anyway, so she went to go get her bachelor's degree. She's like, I'll do it. Got it in three years and then asked again to enroll and they were like hesitant and she was like, she cited three female foreigners who also held nationally equivalent degrees from the Sorbonne. She's like, you let these three girls do it. Let me do it. So um, Mary Putnam, who was an American, Catherine Goncharov, who was Russian, and Elizabeth Garrett Anderson. Um, and they all who held... Who was a child of the world. A, what? Well, because you gave where the other two came from, and then you didn't for the third one. Oh, she was English. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Just <laughs> a woman of the world. A woman of the world. Um, yeah, and so she cited these three other women. They're like, they have equivalent degrees from your university. Yeah. Why won't you let me um, get this medical degree? Uh, the dean was like, you're right. And he allowed her to enroll, but he was met with opposition from the university and the medical community. Um, Henri uh, Montagnier in the hospital get in 1868 said this little gem of a quote. To make a woman a doctor, it is necessary to make her lose her sensitivity, her timidity, her modesty, harden her to the sight of the most horrible and frightening things. When a woman arrives at that, I ask myself, what remains of the woman? A being who is no longer either a young girl nor a woman, neither a wife nor a mother. <sighs> like, she's not a girl <laughs> or a woman. She's a medical practitioner. She's a maniac. Maniac. Nope. nope. Um, yeah, so it was like, I mean, yeah, especially back then, like, medicine was horrible. It was graphic and disgusting go watch the nick k-n-i-c-k uh with clive owen they show like medical procedures like it was ghastly it was awful from like the, the turn of century 1901 horrible also he's wearing white shoes during the whole thing and i'm like dude blood is gushing everywhere it's also shooting cocaine into his fingernails the entire time as well yeah and then to get off uh wow the- wow bold accusation from six sweet low boy over there <laughs> <laughs> this was i'm just saying i get it to to uh, remedy his cocaine addiction, he started using this brand new drug called heroin, which they actually revolutionary. They actually used to to yep, not great. Um, anyway, so this guy wrote against her. Everyone was throwing opposition against her. Um, uh, Dean Wurtz took his application to the Minister of Education, Victor Durui D U R U I, and he approved. And then before he did that, before he went to the Minister of Education, he's like, you know what, just to get a little extra, you know. Like cachet. A little, little, uh, little, a little punch. A little, a little haymaker. Validity in my back pocket. He went to um, the, he brought the matter to the Council of Ministers, which is like the French cabinet, and Empress Eugenie, who oh. was the wife of Napoleon III, who I was like, why are you saying the third? I didn't realize like 
Napoleon one was the short guy with his hand in his pocket and Napoleon third <laughs> always had his it was like when you take a picture of the rock and he's like fixing his cufflinks in every photo of Dwayne the Rock Johnson is he oh yeah yeah it's like his pose he's like adjusting his cufflinks or like adjusting his like cuff in every photo that was uh the, the Napoleon originated that uh having your signature style for the step and repeat with his hand in his pocket didn't you know <laughs> thanks Napoleon <laughs> Why do we keep snorting? Um, uh, so anyways, the Empress advocated for Madeline Bress to be accepted, and then he got the cabinet's approval, and then he went to the um, Minister of Education. So he, like, covered his bases. He's like, I got these guys on my side. I got these guys on my side. I got these guys on my side. If you say no now, you're an asshole. You're an asshole. And the Emperoress, like, the literal leader of our country, his wife, I like, mean, like, let's be honest. She was like, "Oh, we all know Eugenie was doing all the all the work." Um, so uh, we're she, just making bold claims. <laughs> this is accurate. Check it. Don't check it. Please don't first um, person accounts. <laughs> Fanny Pemberton was there. Fanny Pemberton was there. And she says that Eugenie was, was doing the work. I mean, this was 1868. When was Fanny doing the work? Uh, more like 1880s. But she well, was alive, so she could have been there. Yeah, she was just like a young girl, and this is yeah. where she learned all of her. When I was. <laughs> All right, we're moving on. <laughs> so this is still 1860s, so, so right? So this is, yeah, this is uh, uh, like 1866, and she's 26 years old okay. at this point, mother of three. And they're like, she was ready to get her to start doing her degree a while ago, but yeah, she's um she's 26 right now, and she's got three kids, and she's like, let's do this. Um, she had to receive the consent of her husband, which I mean. Of course she did. Like yeah. back then, that's not surprising. Yeah, it's sad you read these horrible things. And I'm like, well, yeah. Like it's not okay, but <laughs> like, they were I'm, awful. Of course she did. I'm not okay with this, but I'm also like not, not surprised. surprised. By this. Um, and she became a medical student in 1869 um, in the service of Professor Broca at Mercy Hospital. So in 1871, the Franco-Prussian War broke out, mm-hmm. um, and this was against. Uh, Prussia, which was kind of like Germany, Russia. Yeah. It was all kind of linked together. In our last episode, we were talking about French forces kind of fighting, and, yeah, the combating Germanic. the Germanic people. Like, yeah. this is that. At okay. this time, um, Bill Bowes over here, and he's like, hey guys, what's up? I think. Um, so so the, the Franco-Prussian War broke out, and so a lot of like medical professionals were going to the war they're going to be like war medics and so they let her be a medical intern um while she was like studying and whatnot so she got more like this is 1870s this is 18 yeah 1871 so she got like more hands-on experience and i think she would have gotten otherwise they made it sound like this was like a treat for her yeah um like she probably wouldn't have gotten this if they didn't have the dire need for um uh doctors and surgeons um and then she said it it helped her decide to pursue a hospital career and she sat the internal and external exams so which makes me think that like before she was going to get like a medical degree and after this she was like i want to get surgical yeah i think that's kind of what that means this is interesting because this is this is a sorbonne yeah 1860s 1870 yeah uh curie was in the sorbonne was studying at the sorbonne 1890s and you're also, welcome well and also similarly had to like similar it, it didn't interrupt her studies i don't think at the sorbonne as much as like 
her lab work and research, but like she l- left that to go to the. Uh, I was about to say the sidelines. That's not how wars <laughs> work. Uh, to Front go, lines? yeah, yep. One of them lines uh, to go to some line of a uh, World War One. So there's like some fun parallels. Oh, that's like, cool. Yeah. It all connects. We all just repeat ourselves constantly forever. Context. Um, the echoes of history. That was weird. Um, so, so yeah. So she wanted. So she she sat her internal and external exams and she passed. Um, and then, but she decided to. She decided against further pursuit of a hospital job because at this point she was widowed. She was a single mother of three. I don't know exactly when her husband died, but she's like, this isn't about him. This is not about him. But also like she's a widow and she's got three kids and she's trying to pursue this degree that no one wants her to do that. No one's going to let her whatever. So she decided to go into pediatrics. Um, She has all this. She has her degree. She has her medicine and whatnot. Um, But she kind of realized like, they're not going to let me do this. Which, yeah, which I imagine it, like people are like, yeah, not letting her operate on them anyway, and are probably like, yeah. Which it sounds kind of like defeatist, but it. She ended up pursuing. So she wrote her thesis. It's called "Of Breasts and Breastfeeding." So she's like, she said from the beginning, she's like, I want to help mothers. I want to help children. And this was not. Women's health was not something that was a thing. Yeah. Um, actually, I forgot to mention the reason why I chose. Um, Madeline Bryce was my sister told me about um, this guy she's like he like he's the father of uh, modern gynecology of, mo- of modern gynecology yeah I can read minds his name is uh, Samuel Jean Ponzi de Ponzi and uh, is he also the father of the Ponzi scheme <laughs> yep uh, but but she told me she's like he's really interesting but he's such a dick he was like a playboy and I was like oh, okay I want to like look into this further and he like he was like, I want to study women's health and I want to study internal medicine that has to do with women. Um, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Like, he slept around a lot, but, you know he was what? like, listen, I know my way around a vagina. No, but, but it was like... And a pyramid scheme. And my sister's like, you shouldn't do him, he's a dick. And I'm like, but that's kind of like the shitty part about history is like, the, the people who wanted to help like weren't allowed to and so assholes, you know, we have to kind of credit yeah. these horrible people, but like... It, you wouldn't let anyone else well, get anything and sometimes done. Sometimes people like, like I'm not saying that I don't know anything about this man, but like I wonder if it was like he was partially motivated to pursue that area because no one else really was, and he knew that he could kind of like make a name for himself easier. Yeah. I'm not saying that that was what happened, but actually, like, I feel like there's like a degree. Sometimes you study something, you get really excited that you're like, oh, this person is like really important because yeah. the first person you developed. X and it's yeah. like I can't believe that that didn't exist before. Yes, no one was giving it like the. It's, it's like due. yeah, you may not be and a great then you guy, read but it you and were like, oh, he only did it because he. It was like yeah. an easier well, ticket to fame. This is this is complete conjecture. But when I was, <laughs> I the reason I ended up not doing him is because he, shared conjecture. So, <laughs> history. Podcast. He had he had he was so um, everything I found was uh, he was so beautiful and so attractive. They called him the siren when he was in school and he was nicknamed Dr. Love because he was a babe and he sat for a painting 
that I'm like, he's wearing this like kind of leisure robe and it's red and he's sm- like smoldering into the camera. And by camera, I mean portrait because it's painted. Smoldering into the eyes of his painter. Yeah. And he was the first person, he created the phenomenon of like the celebrity physician because like he was very cultured and. Ooh, so he's the first Dr. McDreamy. Yeah. Legit. He was. And people like, he was famous because he was this like, like, uh, like celebrity but also he was a scientist or whatever so I didn't end up doing him because all they ever wanted to talk about was like he was a a playboy and he had an affair with Sarah Bernhardt which is like the most famous actress at the time he amputated her leg because she got an infection or something she wouldn't let anyone else do it um that's not important. I just thought that was interesting. But I was like they are not talking about they say he he founded the the chair of gynecology and he started like all this women's health stuff but they wouldn't but I couldn't find anything because they're not ever actually going to talk about women's health no and I was like googling like gynecology France and I'm like I don't need a gynecologist in France like I learned learned recently that in like the original like in the first probably many editions but definitely like the first edition of Grey's Anatomy uh like the like this section on uh like female genitalia was just was like a blip yeah and the and then like and they like didn't have like figures. They didn't have like they, they didn't have drawings. They didn't like tell you no. enough detail about anything. But like the penis got like like a five page spread, <laughs> and it was like every detail about dis peen. Go Google wandering womb. That's a nightmare. Um, yeah, just literally no women's health. Anyway, but what? But what I'm saying is, even in the history books, they're like, women, but we're not gonna like we're not. Yeah, but but so we when- don't want to have to use the word gynecology or vagina. When you were saying about um, like his motivations, this is complete conjecture, but his, his mother died um, when he was really young. He's like three years old, and it was complications due to childbirth. Ah. And it was um, so when he, so he was the first person to study uh, 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 something fistulas, whatever, and I was like, I don't know what that is. And it was like infections or, or trauma that was it said between the um, the vagina and the anus and I'm like oh that's the taint whatever and I was texting my sister I was like oh I want to like I think I'm going to do this guy she's like no don't do it he's such an asshole and I was like yeah it sucks when like um, a, a great thing can be tainted by an asshole <laughs> funnily enough <laughs> he studied taints and he was an asshole anyway it's not about him I just that's how I got here it's not about him but we're gonna post a picture because he was a babe maybe we'll post a picture we're not gonna post a picture we're not gonna post a picture no (laughs) of him of the painting of him (laughs) they call him the siren which some might say is a painting of a taint true anyway back to Madeline Um, she wrote her thesis on uh, it's called of breast and breastfeeding and it was it received all these honors probably because no one had done anything about it before um and she became the first woman to be a doctor in medicine in 1875 at 33 years old. And they say she went on for the next, like, 50 years to continue to practice medicine and whatnot. And she focused on uh, women and children. And um, uh, did she also eventually die because she was, like, carrying vials of, like, soft, the soft glow? <laughs> of, like, yeah. yeah. She was carrying vials of breast milk on her, and it eventually leads to, like... <laughs> cancer and she dies yep no she she died at the age of 79 but she died in poverty what because she she so she focused on um uh uh everything related to the relationship between the mother and her baby as well as the hygiene of young children so essentially like she's 
like okay let's talk about medicine for women and children because no one's doing that yeah um no one's like giving them their own subset and And then nobody wanted to pay her to do that exactly so she she uh worked as a professor professor of hygiene um she was a headmistress of nursery schools uh headed the journal hygiene of the woman and the child and she wrote several child care books um they said that she was interested in i can't i didn't oh creche um, the first crèche in France was like, what's that? It was basically childcare. Okay. So not only was it science, but it was also kind of like, uh, basically it was kindergarten is what crèche was. So uh, childcare facilities. Um, and then she kind of focused on that. And then right after that said, she died at 79 in poverty. And I'm like, of course, because no one else cared about this shit. Yeah. But also no one else was like, hey, this is like, it it's not the same as just general like surgery or health, yeah. like women's health and children's health is its own subset yeah. and it applies differently. And she was doing the damn thing and wash your hands and wash your fucking hands, people, or just don't ring bells. Yeah. Don't ring. Or yeah. You know what? Jury's still out. Jury. You know what? Jury's still out. What's going to get you? Ding, ding, ding. Bells or, uh, bells or germs. Okay. Go either way. Yeah. I think we we ended up doing another. Uh, you, I feel like when I chose science as a subject, you were like, "Okay," kind of just like when uh, you chose sports, and I was like, "I can sport." Yeah. Uh, and then you you've you found more science. I found more science. Yeah. What's up? Would you like some more silly job titles? Oh my god! Oh, hit yes. me with some beats. Uh, from Business Insider, twenty four of history's weirdest jobs. Groom of the stool. Oh, this is going back to wheelwright. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Groom of the stool. Like, are we talking like a stool, like a poop, or like a yep. stool? Oh, yep. Uh, I thought I was wrong. In my was assumption responsible that for helping the king go to the toilet. <gasps> oh, like not like animal. Like I was assuming like horses. You said groom. Nope. That was just helping the king go poop. Helping yep. king poop. King poop. Resurrectionist. Mm-hmm. Uh, wait. Guess what it is. Um, it, it it's uh, the it's a priest who comes over and uh, replaces your dead cat with a new live cat and tells you that it never died. Um, I think <laughs> it's your your um, great aunt who is like, you kill those flowers I got you. Let me come over. I've got some stuff for it. Uh, well, actually, yeah, featured, it's your mom that can like, yeah, revive any plant. Yes, I'm a resurrectionist. <laughs> uh, featured in freaking uh, the Nick. Uh, it's basically someone would dig out corpses from graveyards and sell them to medical schools. Oh, yeah. Because oh, that, that makes sense. Well, and also that was really like kind of poo-pooed and frowned against, frowned upon. Like, yeah. So it's a fancy. It's autopsies and stuff. It's a fancy name for a grave digger. Yes. Yeah. Fuller. Fuller? Uh, Fuller. Uh, responsible for ancient Rome's laundry. Yeah. Folder? Spell Fuller. Fuller. Like, like Fuller in, House. Yeah, I was about to say that. <laughs> Everywhere you look. Uh, rat catcher? Pretty straightforward. Yep. Unless I'm wrong. Is it? Yeah. Uh, let's see here. It's actually it a cop. Against informants. Yep. I was just going to go there. Computer? Hey, what, Wait, what? Computer. Just see. What is this job? Uh, and somebody who adds stuff. As an abacus. Computer used to be somebody's work title. Before electronics took over, these workers, usually women, would convert figures and crunch other numbers by hand, according to NASA. Yep, yep, yep. Computers used to be people. <laughs> or hey, were they robots? Computers are people, too. Hey. <laughs> Historically. Powder monkey? What? Oh, oh wait. I want to guess what this one is. Is this one, uh, like, 
uh, uh, like a handmade or something for uh, for I'm thinking like Marie Antoinette. Yeah, powders and somebody, your face. It's just the person who powders your face. Ooh, no, no, no. It's they've got those um, those uh, blower things that put uh, powder onto your wig. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, who's closer? <laughs> uh, I, I oh no, I, I lost it. You're both way off. Yes. Oh! <laughs> Please tell me uh, what it is. <laughs> If you were a young boy on a warship back in the seafaring days, your quick hands would be called upon to stuff gunpowder oh, fat gunpowder. into that cannons. That your was title, well, we just monkey. we lost a lot of arms in that job. Yep. Uh, how many job titles were just like based on like how many jobs were just like you child you have small arms, all of them, all of the children's jobs were about their small arms. You were. You were. Ewerer. Is that like a shepherd? E w e r e r. Oh, uh, you 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 uh, shear ewes. You you give birth. You midwifery to the ewes. Natalie. Oh, I you you shear or you? shepherd ewes. Okay, um, you you just you're sent out to get hot water for nobles. This is from what? medieval times. You said e w e w e r e r. Ewerers. Yes. Because I was like, oh, maybe you're pronouncing it wrong because like E-A-U I'm is sure water just saying in French. I'm, wrong. I'm just on a real French kick over <laughs> Necessary woman. I don't want to go there. Pass. Um, pass. Uh, what is a, what is an, I'm sorry, what's an unnecessary woman? <laughs> Thank That's you. what I'm saying. It's me snapping Snap into, into the, the mic. mic. <laughs> what is a necessary woman? Is this like a woman who you send to get your necessaries? <laughs> Pass. Pass. Uh, A a, a woman uh, with the job task of emptying chamber pots. She's pretty. Well, that is the necessary. Yeah. You have to go do the necessary. I was going to. I thought. Yeah. I'm actually pleased with that answer. That's so sad. Did you just think it was like a wife? (laughs) Yeah. I thought (laughs) my necessary woman is my wife. My wife. Knock knobbler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're back. We're back. <laughs> it's a man. It's a. It's somebody whose job is just gumming a boob. Also, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a knocker nibbler. No, no, no. Also, it's gums. So knob, that's why they're nobbling. Knob in 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 British means penis. A knock. What a knob. Is it somebody who uh, runs around and polishes? I don't know. Does it have something to do with the doorknob? Door- the doorknob polisher, yeah, or like the what's the thing from a uh, uh, knockers? Door knocker. No, a I door knocker. The, well, I'm trying to remember the. I was my recall isn't as good as yours to to quote Dickens. What knockers? Oh, oh, <laughs> oh thank you from Young Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I no, was I thinking of Dickens. I, I, I think I've told, I'm not a huge Dickens fan, so all I know is from the Muppet. So you need Christmas Carol. It's the need, best one. As long as you skip that but, girl's but song, the guy's it's real bad. Oh, I weirdly like that song. We just broke up. Oh, <laughs> no. Uh, Knock Knobbler was uh, someone tasked with chasing dogs out of churches during services. I specifically want, during I services. I want that job, yeah. but I'm not going to chase them. I'm just going to get them to come to me. Exactly. And Why are there so many dogs in churches? Just need to beat the heat, man. <laughs> Leech collector, I feel like that one. Like leeches, goddamn leeches. Again, a cop. <laughs> <laughs> a cop. I'm not a cop. I'm not a cop. A knocker up. Mm. <laughs> Pass. Uh, it's a it's that that geneticist who got a lot of women pregnant because he was using his uh, sperm to like as the as what? the sperm sample. What? 
That's a true story. Oh no! There was like a there was a doctor who they dis- like who was a, a fertility specialist, and they discovered he was using his own sperm. <gasps> In Masters of Sex, they like had people have se- the TV show, which was based off a real couple. Yeah. Um, they would just have people have sex and then like study what happens to the body and never use contraceptives. So and so like, like later people are like, pregnant. I'm pregnant from your sex study. And they're like, Oh, we never thought about that. Put that down in the findings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a knocker up is just basically a human alarm clock. Wait, wait, wait. I heard about this. And then, and then they, there was a picture of women who had like these big, like, um, straws and they would do like spit wads. Yeah. Yeah. And they would spit like rocks at your or windows peas, or peas or they would just tap on your window. Wow, it didn't used to be as romantic as it evolved into. <laughs> he was throwing rocks. I thought he was throwing rocks at my window. But I went to the window and it was just this old lady with a pea shooter <laughs> I, telling me to get the hell up and go to school. Oh, my God. In college, I, I hung out at my friend's dorm more often than I did in mine. Like, all my friends were in this one dorm, so I would go over there a lot. Oh, my God. We get it. You had friends. And so many friends. And I got locked out one night because I don't have a key because it's not my dorm building. Um, and I knew one of my friends was there. And I, like, went around and I started throwing rocks at her window. And she opened up, like, so, like, hopeful. Like, oh, my God. It's happening. It's that. Oh, it's just you, Kaz. And she let me in. And she's like, I just thought I was about to have a really magical moment of, like, a boy throwing rocks at my windows. And it's you. I was like, oh, I see now that was probably just I once came home from uh, a show and I have a really bad habit of like, I'll have to go to the bathroom at the end of a show, but I'll be like, I'm just going to go home and I'll use the bathroom there. Not because I'm pee shy, but because I like forget that I have to go and then I'm yeah. in the car. And one night I got home really late and I got out of my car and I, and I had to pee so badly and I had forgotten my key to my place. And I, and so I, I ran, I like ran to the front and I rang the doorbell but you can't like we could you, Justin, my husband couldn't hear the doorbell in his room, uh, in our room because uh, because like he had like the AC running or something, so it, like drowned it out. And so I had to like find, I had to find pebbles which we don't have. Like I, it was almost doing like lava rock from like the bo- like uh, from like a like I almost like dumped out a potted plant to get a lava <laughs> rock. But I found some like gravel and I was throwing it at our at my own bedroom window. To be, and when he finally answered the door, he's like, "What the hell?" And I was like, <laughs> "Move! I have to pee." I was like, I started scouting out places to pee. I would have just slept in the car if I couldn't get a, if I couldn't get in, but I really had to pee. Oh so man! So my story is also not romantic. <laughs> I just wanted to one up your not romantic. What story. a knocker up! Oh, what a knocker up! Wow, we've both been a knocker up before. <laughs> Don't spread that around. You heard it here first, guys. Oh man! Uh, if you have a couple knocker ups, man. If If you've ever thrown a pebble at a window and want to tell us about it, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter at Shared Pod. And if you have any uh, questions, corrections, or suggestions, though I don't know how you'd have any corrections, none. We're the tops. Uh, You can shoot us an email at Shared Podcast. Nope, Shared History. Every time. I got it right last time. Shared History Podcast at gmail.com. And the password. No, is- Natalie. Okay. We can't. Nope. <laughs> All right. Um, please, uh, if, you in, if you enjoy the podcast, please uh, rate and review on the mediums that let you do that. If you can't rate and review, uh, and even if you can, take a screenshot, post that shit. Tell us tag us. It. Yeah, tag us at Shared Pod, uh, and we will, we will repost it. Um, spread the word 
basically, uh, you are the best marketing in the world. <laughs> like, like if you like rate and review, yeah, it does yeah, help other yeah. people find it. It helps. You're helping other people. Yeah. Good. Go you. Yeah, you did it. On Check that, that note, <laughs> I'm, I'm Cass Maher. I've been your host. Oh, and I'm Natalie Younger, and I've been something. <laughs> Share you later. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.